Welcome to Where Brains Meet Beauty, hosted by Jody Katz, founder and creative director of Base Beauty Creative Agency. And we're joined by Janine Morris. Janine is a multimedia journalist with specialty in the beauty industry. Welcome to Where Brains Meet Beauty. Thank you for having me. Um, we're so excited to have you here. Um, our listeners are curious about the career paths and journeys of leaders in the beauty industry and not necessarily the glossed over picture perfect PR story that people tell, but in an honest and authentic one. And you certainly mm-hmm. have an interesting story to tell. Yes, I do. <laughs> you know, I thought what would be really appropriate considering um, the atmosphere out in the um, industry right now is let's start with the theme of change. Um, You know, when you started out in the industry, um, the most coveted jobs are beauty editor roles in print, right? Yes. (laughs) And um, I know you... Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, when I started in the industry, I started as an intern at Cosmopolitan Magazine in uh, the beauty department. And that was about 10 years ago. Digital was not even in existence yet. Um, Well... I also worked at Cosmo, but it was a hot day. I know you did. Um, (laughs) um, We didn't overlap, um, but I bet it was like a super major coup at the time, right, to get that first job there. Um, I'd love it if you could take us back to that moment and how you got the job and what it was like working there. Sure. Well, after I graduated college, I went to grad school at the New School University um, in New York City. And while there, I was allowed to have more internships for school credit, like I did in college. So I found an internship opening at Cosmopolitan in the beauty department under Andrea Laventhal, who has been my career mentor for years. And I applied. Um, At this time, I was taking most of my classes at night. And then I would work every day from nine in the morning till six, seven o'clock at night at Cosmo as an intern. Fast forward six months and um, the assistant left the job. So the assistant position was open at Cosmo. I was interning there for a while and I watched the girls come in to interview for it all the time. They were coming right past me to interview for the position I've been dying (laughs) for. So I, um, long story short, I, I spoke up and I said to the beauty director at the time, it was Rachel Hayes-Gale. I said, excuse me, like I've been here for six months. I've graduated college now. Um, This is my dream job. Can I at least interview? And she was kind of surprised, like, oh my God, why didn't I think of interviewing you? I think they they forget that like, because I was in grad school, I was already graduated and looking for a job. So um, they interviewed me. I took an edit test. And before I knew it, the job was mine. And I was the beauty assistant at Cosmo, which was a dream job for me since I started um, writing in college. It was a dream, dream job, and I was so excited to be there. Can you remember the feelings or the angst or whatever was going through you at the time of getting to that moment of speaking up? Was it hard to speak up, or um, was it really easy at that moment to speak up on your behalf? That's a good question. Um, I am not shy, and I've always been one, even through college and stuff, to ask for what I want, because I truly believe that if you don't ask for it and you don't put yourself out there, um, you know, how does the universe know what direction you're trying to get to? So I, I ask, I speak up. So when I saw this happening, I pretty much right away walked, when I saw her interviewing other candidates and giving out edit tests, I walked into her office and I was like, hi, can we talk? Like, I wanted to let her know that I wanted to be considered. Worst comes to worst, they wouldn't consider me for whatever reason, but at least I had to have a shot. And at the end of the day, we have to look out for ourselves. 
to be able to be your own advocate in that way in a kind of corporate environment, um, it's hard for a lot of people. Um, there's a lot of intimidating factors and people really just, for the most part, don't ask for what they want. Um, what kind yeah. of advice would you give somebody who's um, at any part of their career who's hesitant to speak up for themselves in that way? Well, my father told me when I was got my first job at Cosmo, he said to me, you need to look out for yourself. You need to look out for your own goals. You need to look out for your own life because no one else is going to do it for you. He's like, you need to be your own biggest cheerleader. And if you really believe in something or if you really want something, you have to go after it because no one's going to hand it to you. And he was right. Um, so I've been using that advice my whole entire career. Now I've been writing in the beauty industry for 10 years, 10 plus years. And um, I, I look out for myself. I you know, I just realized that my priorities should be my career, my life and everything else. Cause at the end of the day, the companies I work with, they don't really care what I'm doing. They don't care about me. So I have to look out for myself. It's, it's such an interesting um, piece of advice that your dad gave you. And I would think that maybe most people are held back by doing that by fear. The, what if they say no, um, right. does, does fear play a role for you when you're asking for what you want or what you need? No, because I ask myself, what's the worst case scenario? So for me to gain the courage to go up to a brand, to go up to a boss, to go up to somebody or speak up for something that I'm looking to do as far as my career goes or just in life, um, I have to play out the worst case scenario. And the worst case scenario in most times is, the opportunity doesn't come to fruition for me. And that's okay. You know what I mean? But at least I tried. I really love this because um, I really relate to it. Um, as a young person, um, not at Cosmo at the time, but I was at Glamour, um, mm -hmm. I thought I was speaking up for myself, but I really just had no idea of the landmines that were ready to explode as I stepped into them. I didn't see them. I was mm -hmm. the um, assistant to the editor-in-chief at Glamour, and I was probably like 22. I was not good at this job. I didn't have a passion for the job. I didn't have a passion for the culture there. Um, so mm -hmm. I did what I thought I was supposed to do. I went to HR, and I sat down, and oh, I thought yeah. that this was a, a safe place for me to talk. Um, and by the time I left the HR office, went in the elevator, back up to my desk at Glamour, in that amount of time, my boss was called and I was fired. Because, so, like I said, uh, especially in corporate, <laughs> nobody cares about you. They really don't. Yeah, it it taught me really quickly that um, HR only has one friend, right? And that's the CEO right. it serves. Um, but I had no idea, right? Like, no one tells you this when you walk into any corporate environment after school that you have to watch your back and think about who you're speaking to. Like, I just, I didn't play that game. I didn't even know the game existed, quite frankly. So well, you have to live and learn, I guess. I was just lucky that my father, my father is an entrepreneur as well. And um, I was just lucky that he kind of gave me like a school of hard knocks when I started out my career. And since then, like I've been freelance now for eight years and I have always, always turned to my father for business advice. Well, you're certainly lucky to have them, and our listeners are really lucky to be able to hear this from you because it's really beneficial advice. Thanks. So if we can, um, if we can bounce forward now, 10 years later after Cosmos sent, um, many well-known publications have folded, right? And beauty department yeah. staff has been drastically reduced. So, like, you know, the hierarchy so that existed sad. when you were at Cosmo, it's gone, right? 
Um, So my thinking is, in essence, this career path, the one that you set out on 10 years ago and many of your peers, um, the way we've known it, it's going extinct. Um, Uh Can you share with our listeners the landscape shift that you experience now? I know that you're you're not looking to be a a full-time editor, but you still engage with these people as a writer. How has the landscape shifting changed the way you do your business and look for your business? Well, to be honest, I started shifting my business as soon as Twitter and blogging became um, popular. And this was back in like 2008. Um, I noticed that there was all this new activity happening and it was all online and it was Twitter. Everybody was creating Twitter handles and people were playing with WordPress and Blogger and all these sites. And I wanted to be a part of that. So I wanted to learn it. I knew it was going to be the next big thing. I launched a blog at the time. It was called beautysweetspot.com, but now it's just janinemorris.com. And I launched a blog solely to be able to start practicing using these tools. I wanted to learn how to write for the online audience. I wanted to learn how to strategically use Twitter. And I wanted to embrace the tools that many companies I was working with were afraid to um, tackle. So I wanted to do it So interesting. To be able to like have um, the willingness to embrace the new because it was hard. That was a long time ago, right? This was like it was a long time uh, ago. But you know what? I was young, and a lot of um, people I worked for at the time were afraid of all the newness and stuck in the old, which you know is pretty much print and not embracing the change. Instead, they were steering clear of it. So I decided to do it for myself so I could learn everything. And I was very very lucky because of my experience at Cosmopolitan. My blog gained wild popularity pretty much overnight. Um, it was a beauty blog, and it still is, but now it's more wellness-focused as well. And I um, still write it today since 2009. It has allowed me so many different opportunities. It allowed me to quit my full-time job, take on freelance writing and editing projects, as well as consulting projects, and appear on air as a beauty expert for NBC. Wow. So this is... Um... I mean, what you were doing so long ago is really what many of your peers have to start doing now, which is the pivoting, right? Like you, yeah, you, stayed, yeah. ahead, you stayed ahead of it in many ways, um, but I, you I've still have to keep lucky, doing yeah. more pivoting. Yes, I've been very lucky to stay like ahead of the trend with social and ahead of the curve. And I think that's why I've been successful. Um, and obviously, as you see, all the magazines started to do it. All of the editors started to brand themselves through the internet. Um, everybody started to take to it because they realized it wasn't going anywhere and that was the way to, of the future. Um, for me, I was very lucky because I had a ton of beauty spokesperson deals um, with beauty brands like Dove and L'Oreal and big brands, and I would act as the face of the brand for a lot of different projects. That was mainly because my blog had a large audience at the time and it was very popular. So just like now, it's the Instagram girls and the YouTubers getting all these big deals I had my time, a good five, six year run <laughs> where I was, um, I was really killing it in the beauty industry and I was having a great time with it. Um, fast forward to today, pivoting again, those deals are few and far between because now there's instant Instagram celebrities overnight who have millions of followers and great engagement. And those are the girls who are getting the deals now, which makes sense. So I needed to kind of rethink my career again because while I use all the platforms and I'm active on Instagram, um, at this time, I'm kind of just a journalist that, 
you know, I try to be inspirational through my work and I still get some deals like that, but not enough to uh, make a living off of. So I pivoted again. So what is this new direction? What is what does it look like to stay ahead of the curve and develop a strong career in this landscape in this moment? Well, for me, um, a lot of the work I've been doing behind the scenes is starting to become more in the forefront. I've been consulting for beauty brands um, ever since I started my blog, really. Everybody wants to pick my brain or learn how to brand themselves using digital media. And I've been helping brands and helping individuals do this for quite some time. But um, recently, I kind of put it out there into the universe. I told my industry that I'm doing this. And I started um, a small consulting firm where I work with beauty brands or individuals like hairstylists and dermatologists to help them navigate social media and come up with content calendars. And I create content for them. And I help them do what I did, essentially, um, for themselves. It's really cool that, um, you know, you've made this change from editor to almost marketer, right? Um, and we see this in the industry at large, right? Like Linda Wells, who was, you know, formerly of Allure, she just took the position at leading at Revlon. Revlon Art and Creative. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And, you know, who would have seen that three years ago? Nobody. Right. <laughs> I'm no. sure not her. Nobody wanted <laughs> so, her to leave Allure. Uh, <laughs> Right. Well, I didn't. <laughs> I'm sure you didn't. Um, so, you know, now you have um, the industry and marketing teams and CEOs seeing how valuable the editorial experience can be for their brands and building their brands in-house. Um, yes. Do you think that that's something that's going to be happening? Like all these great editors who've worked for 15, 20 years in this realm are going to get eaten up by brands to lead, um, you know, creative marketing positions? Yeah, it's been happening for quite some time, actually. My old boss at Cosmopolitan, when she left Cosmopolitan after 10 years, she was the beauty director. She ended up going in-house at Fresh. Now she's at Clinique. I know a lot of um, a lot of the older um, beauty directors anyway, have all taken on brand roles. And for me, um, I am not one to work full time or to work corporate. I like working for myself. So I just keep reinventing, um, my own business model in order to stay afloat. So when I think about, um, my journey and there is lots of pivoting and jumping and hopping. <laughs> if I think of yeah. um, all the jobs I've had through the years, um, I was always searching for something. Um, and, you know, I, the jobs are plenty fine and good. And um, at the time I'm sure the money was good enough, but I was really always searching for something that like would fill this kind of void, like an intellectual void and um, something in my heart. Like what is the job that feels right for me? Like what is the career path that's going to make yeah. me feel really good about this work every day? And I didn't know how to articulate it, right? Like I, I couldn't say like, mm-hmm. I want to be an X, Y, Z. Um, but I was searching for something and um, I finally found that feeling when I got a job at, as a copywriter at an advertising agency, I, I finally felt like, and that was, you know, years oh, ago, like, Oh, this feels really, really good inside. Uh, what, like what, what kind of thing doing? are you looking to fill? Yeah. Like what, what were you looking for? What are you looking for to make, make that feeling like satisfied? Um, I, I'm pretty good where I am right now. I have a pretty good, I've found a pretty good balance between my marketing work and my editorial work. So I love doing TV work. I go on NBC once a month to do a beauty trend report. I work with Amazon to do beauty trend reports. Um, 
I love doing TV work, but I also am still lucky enough to be able to freelance, right? So I write and edit um, content for Refinery29, Women's Health, Harper's Bazaar. And then outside of all the stuff that I do in front of the camera and in front of an audience, I have this small consulting agency that I work on kind of behind the scenes and it really pays the bill. So for me, I think what lights my soul on fire is writing and editing beauty copy. That's what I love to do. Whether that's for Harper's Bazaar or for a brand, at this point to me, it doesn't really matter. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is a big question. Why beauty? Well, that's a good question. I fell into beauty, actually. Um, the internship I applied to at Cosmopolitan was specifically for the beauty department. And I didn't know the difference um, at the time. I was obviously, okay, beauty department, that's fun. What girl doesn't like makeup and hair care and skincare? But I was also interested in fashion at the time. Um, I just wanted to write for a women's magazine. So when I saw the internship for the beauty department, I jumped on it and I kind of fell into beauty. Um, and now I would never, ever, ever change my beat. It is smart. It is constantly changing, always evolving. And in the beauty department, you actually write your own copy. You interview smart experts, you write your copy. Whereas in the fashion department, you style clothes and you become more of a stylist, but the editorial team writes your copy. So I think I got very, very lucky falling into beauty. So if you really said, I'm done with beauty for whatever reason, and you walked away from this business and you walked away from the navigating and the pivoting within beauty, what would you be doing? I couldn't do that. That I, Everything I know, everything I love, everything I'm passionate about is in the beauty space. I mean, um, besides that, I have branched out a little bit as my interests have changed into wellness. Um, on the side, I'm a yoga teacher and I'm a holistic health coach. So I write a lot of wellness content now, too, for women's health and self and even on my own site. Um, so I love the wellness industry. Obviously, it's become trendy, but for me, it's another huge passion. Mm-hmm. So my last question for you today, Janine, um, and it's something mm-hmm. I think about quite often. Aside from financial goals, what is your barometer for success? Um, my barometer for success aside from financial goals is just to be really happy, authentically happy. And I, I am like, I'm excited to, I feel like I'm in a good place right now. And of course, as a freelancer for eight years and pivoting all these different directions, sometimes you can feel pretty lost. Sometimes you can be very fulfilled, but I like just having a balance of, you know, a steady income so I can feel comfortable and live life to my means, but also just fulfilled work. And I feel that the work I've been getting lately is, is, is enough. It's fulfilling, but I'm always looking for more. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, there's always, there's always tomorrow, but you feel like you can find serenity in today. Yeah. I'm in a good spot right now. Um, It's been up and down for about the past year and a half as I've been pivoting again into writing more marketing content. But as of today, and this year so far, I've been really happy and um, pretty content. Thank you so much for sharing with us today, Janine. Thanks for having me on your show. Thanks for listening to Where Brains Meet Beauty with Jody Katz. Tune in again for more authentic conversations with beauty leaders.